So did you feel like last week it was pretty hot a few days and Mm -hmm. then near the end of the week, it really cooled off. Right. And I sort of got the feeling that like things really shifted. Like it, it seemed to me that like Thursday or Friday, it was like, all right, this is the end of summer and now we're going into fall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had that huge bang of heat Right. And I read that, um, I, now I can't remember. Um, we've had more 90 degree days this year than the last like five years or something or. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I mean, which is awesome, but yeah. With that ship like Saturday and it was really nice this weekend. I I feel like that oppressing heat and humidity that we love that was probably it yeah that's um, that's what i thought that was like the tail end of summer you Mm -hmm. know and i was outside um uh, outside in the backyard like i think it was saturday night maybe friday night or saturday night and it had cooled off quite a bit and yeah i was just like oh shit yeah, so. <laughs> there, there was there was a big difference because, um, you know, during those hot days last week, it was the first time that I really noticed driving around that everybody's yard is just scorched. Oh, yeah. And it, it looks so great. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like like you, you can tell the people who are putting a lot of work and a lot of water into keeping their grass green, you know? I know. But, I know. I know. We have some neighbors who, within the neighborhood, where it looks like they've had their lawn rained on only. I mean, it's like <laughs> right. pristine. Ours is, I don't like, you know, I feel grass is like naturally engineered right go dormant and i mean once the moisture picks up it bounces back i'm not fucking around with watering my yard and and like half these people are are just like watering the road or watering the sidewalk (laughs) that's the thing that always sprinklers set set right so yeah that's the thing that always makes me laugh is that you know you get some really well watered sidewalks and you get um there one of our neighbors like they'll they'll water like you know 20 feet of driveway to get like eight feet of grass you right know? right it's like the, you know the the ratio here is a little bit off mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i totally agree with you on the on the you know just let the grass go dormant thing yeah but i know you know a, a lot of people put a lot of stock into their into the way that their lawns look and you know the green is just more appealing for some people than the dead not dead but dormant scorched stuff right um yeah but i i I don't know i mean i'm it just makes me feel like summer you know know. yeah a nice scorched grass i mean (laughs) and i mean it's a month later than usual i think i think this usually happens like mid-july yeah and but i mean we did have we did have a few instances of just like really like big downpours yeah which you know i think probably prolongs it a little bit because we've been in in kind of like a a dry streak here for a while Mm -hmm. like I have you cut your grass recently? No, uh, yeah, I haven't mowed it in two weeks. Yeah, um, I probably, I, I probably won't mow it this weekend. It's pretty, you know, yellow. And I, yeah, the um, last time I mowed it, like three weeks ago, now I was probably pushing it. I, I was yeah. just like, eh, I'm, I'm like halfway through, and I'm just like, where the fuck is the line at? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, my, the last time mine was mowed, I think it has been like, I think it was two weeks ago today. And there's, you know, there's a couple of spots that have, you know, I don't know if it's a different kind of grass 
or a weed or whatever that's a little bit higher that could use use trimming but most of it is just like not even close to needing to be cut you know so i'm just like all right well i'm in no hurry to cut the grass for no reason you know right so keep it up and that's fine with me yeah but but you know um what you brought up with a kind of shift i've really been obsessing uh with the forecast Mm -hmm. last like few days because i mean it's gonna be a pretty nice week this week i mean yeah no we have one more kind of hot one thursday possibly and i mean it looks awesome for the you know holiday weekend and but like to see like next week the forecast is highs of like 67 oh are you serious lows in the high 40s yeah so i mean i don't want that fucking shift but then it possibly bounces back up the following week so i mean i'm hoping we hang on longer into the high 70s low 80s and I, yeah. No, I think we've talked about this. I hate fall. It just means things are <laughs> changing and dying and yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, the I went tomato picking the other day. Mm-hmm. Um and I I enjoyed doing that because that's one of the only fall activities that I really like, you know, just the harvest and apple picking is going to be coming up soon. Um and I, I enjoy doing that, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I'd like the warm weather to last as long as it can, but when, whenever I think of, you know, the onset of cool weather, I always think back to 2011 when we went to PJ 20, um, oh, oh, yeah. up over Labor Day weekend up in, um, East Troy uh-huh. at, uh, what the hell's the name of the place? Um, Alpine Valley. Yeah. And, um, it was rainy that first day, mm-hmm. but it was pretty warm. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. But, then think, that, yeah. but then that final night, I think the temperatures dipped into like the forties for the first time. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the final night, like overnight it was getting chilly. And, right. and I just remember thinking like, you know, we had been looking forward to that concert for so long. Uh-huh. And we knew it was at the end of end ish of summer, you know, Labor Day uh-huh. weekend. And it was just I just remember being so deflated, like after the concert, like, oh, shit, the concert's over. And now it's going to be chilly. Like, oh, this is it, you know. Right. But then like the, um, um, that week, it warmed up, actually. Oh, did it? I don't yeah, even remember that part. It's kind of like the ice bowl. Um um, when I went there October 8th, 2000, when it snowed and at showtime, it was like 28 degrees. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, um, that was on a Sunday. And then on Tuesday, it was like 78 or something. I, w- I was so pissed. I was like, <laughs> they, probably, they fucking did two encores, which I think is hardcore. And that weather, I mean, no, but I thought had it been nice out, they probably would have played probably a half hour longer, I think. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but they made up for it in 03 when they went back up there. Um, and played for fucking like three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I was, I wasn't at either of those shows. I don't think in Alpine Valley, but I remember, um, the, I remember seeing pictures and maybe some video of that 2000 show and like, they're all bundled up and Mike McCready, the guitarist has like a leather jacket and like, Uh uh a scarf and you know it's it's amazing that their fingers even worked to be able to play when it's you know 30 degrees outside or whatever i know i bet you like you know they probably had like on stage heater then the lights also on stage yeah i bet on stage i mean it was probably in the 40s i mean yeah which doesn't sound warmer but it's like fucking 20 degrees warmer than 27 yeah (laughs) 
Is that what it was? 27, not 37? 27, yeah. Oh, shit. So were you on the lawn or in the in the pavilion? Uh, that was actually one of my last lawn shows. I had... Um, I purchased fan club seats, but I wanted to sit with everybody else because at that time uh, I was, you know, you, you couldn't go. Mike couldn't go. I went with, um, Jim Hampton for sure. And then, uh, I think Adam, Adam might've been there and Brian Overby possibly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean that you're, you're kind of, you know, October, the first week in October in Wisconsin, you're really taking a chance. I mean, Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, it obviously could be 27, but it could just easily have been 75 at showtime. I know. I know. You know I, I uh, remember that, that whole tour was pushing it because it was like a August, August through November tour. And, yeah. you know, in the August part, I think the opening leg of that tour was in Virginia Beach. And then they right. went up to Jones Beach and did the East Coast and crept, kept creeping west. But I, um, um, when you watch the um, touring band DVD, um, they're bundled up at multiple shows. Oh, are they? Yeah. I'll have, I'll have to watch that. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, they were in, I think I saw them in Indianapolis oh, that year. Oh, yeah. Which was that, like August 18th or August, something. Yeah. Oh, God. That show was so fucking awesome, man. That was a great show. Yeah. Oh, man. It's been a while since I've seen them. I hope, they're, I hope all this shit lifts so we can see them next year. I know. Um, but you know, having, having, having tickets to see them and then having the shows canceled just makes me want to go to more shows. (laughs) Like it, it really like, you know, I was, I was planning to go to Hamilton, Ontario and St. Louis, but now I'm thinking, well, maybe I should go to a few more, (laughs) you know? know. So when they reload, if no, if they get out next year which hopefully they will but i mean i'm not really confident um yeah i mean that's me you're gonna need a vaccine they're not gonna be able to do it without a vaccine right that's but like all these bands are are um you know they've rescheduled shows from like february like starting february of like next year on and yeah i don't think it's happening but i mean i could be wrong I'm trying to temper my expectations, but, but I want to, my record, I, th- I think for a leg is eight shows. I fucking want to shatter that. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be a little tough just because there's not as many shows. No, I still think that they, they had a fall tour plan. Oh, right. Yeah, I that's think. right. Right. I, like I'm part of the fucking band. I have all this inside info, but it's no, because they did say they did say leg one, didn't they in spring, like the first leg of the U S tour. Right. I think they even like implied when they were advertising it, that there, there was going to be a leg in the fall too. Right. Yeah. So maybe they'll try to do both. Although I think they are going to Europe next summer too. So, right. Um, Yeah. What what were you were you just doing St. Louis and what else were you doing this? Uh, I think it was St. Louis and Nashville and right. Then I was banking on sh- multiples in the fall. So so because I had thought about Canada also, right? But then I was like, eh, let me hold off it uh, because there could be other shows closer. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we've talked about this before, but I I always get nervous that you know at some point we're gonna we're gonna see their last tour, right? You yeah. know, 
and we're obviously closer now than we were 20 years ago when we were going to see them. So it almost feels like, all right, well, maybe we have to like jam pack the shows now, you yeah, know, because I mean, it's like, you can't say, oh, I'll catch them on the next tour. Cause right. Well, I mean, the last two tours have been really small. I mean, my, right. my last four shows, if I'm not mistaken, have all been at Wrigley field, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in six or uh in 16 and 18 right yeah. right okay yeah so when was the last time you and i were at a show in in detroit in 2014 yeah uh-huh which was fucking like having a show open up with oceans and release that's yeah incredible yeah black red yellow yeah yeah, I mean, they yeah. fucking did so much shit there. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're losing the non Pearl Jam fans on all this Pearl Jam talk, but and but hey, take our words for it. If you're not a Pearl Jam fan, look within yourself and ask why. Because you're missing out. Okay. Here here's something that we can actually talk about. I've been meaning to bring this up with you for for. A few weeks now. Um, and it's a little bit political, but I don't care. It's our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want. Um, the, the whole like Black Lives Matter and police violence and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's obviously a more it's getting more press recent in recent years. But it's getting more press, I think, because things are recorded now, you know, like there's videos and this stuff is like hitting people in the face. Now, you know, you can actually see what's happening. Right. But like, obviously this shit's been going on a really long time. Right. And you think about Pearl Jam made a song about this like 25 years ago, the song WMA. Right. Their second album in like 1992 or three or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In WMA, which stands for white male American. And the entire song is about how he's white and he has privilege and his black friend is, is stopped by the cops and he's not troubled because he's white. And, you know, they're, 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 they were, they're so far ahead of the curve of the population talking about that. Not only that, but then also when you think about how many times they close the song, the show with, not closed, but near the end of a show with the song Leaving Here. Right. Which that's not a Pearl Jam song, though, is it? Uh, that's a Who song. It is a Who song. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, they were obviously playing it with a message and that's all about, you know, respecting women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 25 years before the whole Me Too thing happened. Right. So like the fact that we were listening to this band in our formative years, it shouldn't surprise us that these are our views, you know, because this shit just like music can speak to you. And when you're hearing these things, you know, it's just like, well, of course it's going to make an impact on you, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, unfortunately the shit's been happening for, too long obviously right in decades but no in our formative years to have it brought up through the media that we love which is music and right uh, kind of bring awareness to it at an earlier age i, th- I think is you no know, that was awesome i mean right you know. yeah um but it it all it also makes me wonder about the people who don't agree with them politically, mm-hmm. and it makes me wonder. Like I couldn't imagine, like Ted Nugent's a goddamn asshole, <laughs> and like I don't know. There, there's a famous Ted Nugent song, right? What is it? Well, um, I, there's Cat Scratch Fever, yeah, Cat Scratch all, uh, or yeah. um um stranglehold yeah I, like cat scratch fever is the one i was thinking right. of and like 
it's fine. Like it's, you know, it's kind of a joke rock song to me, but so I'm not going to seek out Ted Nugent just from a musical perspective, but like I couldn't imagine being super into Ted Nugent and despite knowing what his ridiculous politics are. And so that is the struggle that I have with him. So um, Ted Nugent is a great guitarist. He is one of the best ever. Um, out of the whole Detroit rock scene in the late 60s and 70s. And um, back then, Detroit was just really known for like filthy guitar tone. I mean, it was right. like that was their thing in that area, uh, in that era at that time. And he, I mean, he fucking really captured um, such great sound. And that's one of my things things i've really 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 been been working on is separating the art from the artist right and it's actually it's um i was um listening to a somewhat recent joe rogan podcast with henry rollins It, uh, it was probably like a couple years ago by now and rollins is a huge ted nugent fan but he you know, doesn't like his politics and he right. wanted and and they're they're friendly, but he actually wanted to get him on one of his shows and interview him and and um you know ask him like well like you have he's very very influential, I think, Ted Nugent with his music and his politics. And he like often often has all, uh, all these kind of um, hot takes. And like yeah. Rollins had this idea of, of uh, having having this discussion and, and trying to ask him like what like you, you know, you're this rock legend and people listen to you why are why are you at times reckless and he and he just wanted to to have that open conversation and he actually got a hold of them and they tried to work out a a a, um, a schedule but they couldn't um but i still think he wants to because he has has that issue with a lot of his um you know musical heroes i think right one of the Fucking oh god, and 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 I get all the Ramones mixed up. I think it was oh yeah, like I think um Johnny Ramone was like a hardcore fucking Republican. Like yeah, <laughs> here's this dude, and and people out there, if I'm right, if it's John, it it could be fucking Dee Dee Ramone. It's fucking one of them to be in this like influential punk band that's like seen as left and you've got this hardcore right winger in there. It just yeah kind of doesn't mesh, but s- separating, I, th- I think it's very, very challenging, but, but um, important to s- separate the art from the artist. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I think it can be important, but to me, it's also just, you know, I just thinking of like how life experience has to influence the art that you're making. It just seems like there would be some influence on the art from your own perspectives, from your own, from, from your political views, you know, and your worldview or whatever. I mean, I know it depends. I mean, I don't think, yeah. no, I'm not 100% um, I'm all knowing of the Ted Nugent catalog from his early, earlier years, but I think he just liked talking about sex. I mean, oh, yeah. That's pretty much what he fucking sang about. Um, yeah, I mean, you no, know, I think sex is pretty universal. Right. So. You know, I think one of the challenges also, like one artist where where it's really challenging, well, two artists, actually, one of them gets a pass and the other one doesn't, okay? And, and rightfully so. So 
So Ike Turner's influence on R&B music cannot be d- denied. No. Right. Like it can, he was a great guitarist, uh, a great writer, but that's justifiably overshadowed. What, what, what the fucking dude was a total piece of shit. Okay. I right. Mean, fucking beat his wife, held her. I mean, Tina Turner's fucking awesome. Right? But I think like it's, I'm not being an Ike Turner, uh, um, um, apologist, but to deny the kind of kind of impact on that he had on music in that era—that's oh god, it, it like gets so shady. But but then on the the other hand, you have an artist like John Lennon who f- gets a fucking free pass, right? He fucking hit his first wife. He fucking abandoned his son. I mean, yeah. he was a total fucking asshole. He was a drug addict. But because he was kind of a fucking activist and he was a great songwriter, the people fucking let that shit slide. Right. So yeah. it's, you know, we choose when we like the music and we're inundated with it, we have an easier time to s- separate the art from the artist. But when we're not familiar Okay, and we're not educated on their catalog, then it's easy to say, "Well, I mean, he's a fucking asshole. Fuck him." Right. So, yeah. and it's a no. It's a case by case basis. I mean, if people want to hate Ted Nugent because of his views, fine. I mean, I'm still gonna rock up to some songs of his and question, like, always, like, think, man, I know that this fucking guy I don't really agree with anything he says but like his the art he does is fucking really good yeah and you know for ted nugent also like i i don't i don't know his history well but like there's a difference between having horrendous ideas mm-hmm. and actually committing horrendous acts right you know so maybe he should get more of a of a slide of a pass because you know he's he's just an idiot who you know thinks things should still be the way they were in the 1800s right right. well i mean that doesn't mean he's actually he he, if he wrote uh wrote um wrote um Imagine and uh, um, um, uh, whatever. Uh, God damn, what what the fuck is that song? I am the walrus. He probably would be getting a pass, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, we right, like well, when we when we love the music, we are more willing to give it a pass. Yeah. And I th- I think there's no that's good but then when somebody you know does some real shady shit then I th- I, th- I think that's that's why I think we should try to exercise that more often and there are people that don't want to and that's fine but I want to try to always try to th- there are some some artists I can't do it with. I mean, I'm just like, oh man, I just can't. Yeah. Do, like, no, I'll be on like Tom Cruise. I really used to like him, but he's, you know, a crazy Scientologist. And there's, yeah. there's like something wrong with that guy. And I really, <laughs> like, I really try to, while I, no, I used to seek his movies out. Now I'm just like, do I really want to watch this fucking guy? I'll yeah. try, but I, so, I mean, I'm guilty of it too, but I mean, but on the other hand, I mean, the dude's back, like, like I'm into him. I mean, right. I yeah. He had some good fucking movies, but in Mel Gibson, same thing. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think we talked about on a, about it on here also, like, Pete Townsend too. I mean, right? Yeah. You no, know, I still 
<laughs> the whole fucking research thing was the best get out of jail free card. Oh, right. Man, I'm fucking yeah. doing some some research on a book that's n- never come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, that one's hard, also. So. Yeah, Tom, Tom Cruise is so interesting because he's been able to keep it up for so long, mm-hmm. you know, and even although actually, you know, now thinking about it, like what the hell has he done lately except for Mission Impossible movies? Has he been doing other shit since then? I don't know. I don't, I mean, um, Mission, oh, Top Gun was supposed to be coming out. Oh, Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, and he played Jack Reacher. I mean, he's only been doing like one one movie a year, but there's a couple movies I've never even heard right. of on here, like American Made. Like I don't even know what the hell that even is. Like I'm waiting. I am really, really waiting for the like third Jack Reacher reach around. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I really, really want them to make that. <laughs> well. With you know uh, Jack Reacher, those are based on books written by Lee Child, mm-hmm. and um, well, two two things about that. One, Jack Reacher in the books is described as like really tall, and like hardcore Jack Reacher fans were so pissed off that Tom Cruise was chosen to play Jack Reacher because he's not tall, like like he's, he's pretty much the the. Len Danzig of the acting <laughs> world. Like he's fucking like five, four or something. Yeah. Th- this says, this says Tom Cruise is five, seven. Oh yeah. Um, That's a tall five, seven. <laughs> is, is Glenn Danzig not tall? Dan, he, he's a fucking five, three. Oh yeah. Five, oh my God. So he totally ha- has, has, uh, has a uh, little man complex because he's like 65 and like, picking fights still but um, <laughs> yeah but and that explains why he's so like ripped too it, well, it, you I, know why he, was was what, I mean, was right he fucking looks like goddamn danny devito and and uh <laughs> and uh vigo from ghostbusters 2 that like dude in the painting <laughs> but with that said i'm on a huge fucking danza kick right now oh are you oh told yeah oh yeah i've yeah okay here's here's a interesting topic this is a very music heavy um podcast so so he's a total caricature of himself i i think at this point when you're still singing uh like about Satan and darkness and blah, blah, blah. And you haven't changed shit in like 25 years, but you no, know, in his, the thing is always said, he, uh, he, he sings about shit that interests him. So, I mean, that right. don't interest him. So, I mean, I think the whole, whole like badass thing is overplayed because back when you listen to his, uh, interviews from the misfits and sam hayne era dude's totally fucking funny i mean he's fucking laughing he's funny he's an interesting person now he's he's just like banking on being a fucking like a black devil hermit i mean right. he's like totally like oh no i'm this fucking dark black person evil blah 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 but um he like he he has been recording music since 1977 wow he's had three fucking bands that are influential okay for people that don't know he he uh, founded the punk band the misfits famous for their horror horror theme punk rock then he Broke them up, moved on to Sam uh, Hain, which was kind of this death rock, post punk, 
music and then he moved on to Danzig which was like m metal based m music he made them uh, uh their first album came out in like 87 88 so i mean the, the fucking guy's been doing shit for ages and i think because of his, his um you know genre and like non mainstream um image the dude gets overlooked but i mean I mean, he's fucking done so much shit. He's written songs for Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison, and nice. like he's done all this shit. And I, I yeah. mean, no, I think part like now, like I said, I have this thing where I'm like, you know, this fucking guy's awesome, but but also I recognize he he's a total caricature. It's like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I've been I've been on this huge. Uh, kick of uh, of the entire forty year catalog. So that's awesome. So yeah, it, I, it made me really fucking pissed off. Like when I'm listening to uh, Sam Hain, I just like I can get really really angry. Yeah, while I'm driving, and I'm like <laughs> fucking like yelling out the lyrics, and I'm like fucking punching my seat, getting pumped up and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> glad to know that still happens. I know, right? Hey, and 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 that is that is a soul power of music. Yeah, I think something yeah. That, that fucking gets you that that can alter your mood is that's great. Yeah, that's the it, it's definitely true. Um, I've noticed, you know, just really this summer just driving around you know doing the grocery thing and driving around a lot with the windows down and it just you know it's on a nice day with the windows down and warm outside and just like hanging out and driving around wherever and having good music like oh it's just summer's always great but you add music and oh man oh, yeah it's just so great but um well with danzig like that's one of if I put mother on, mm -hmm. is that the song mother yeah. or father? Mother. mother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it just like takes me back to like high school and just like, just totally loving that song, mm -hmm. you know? And you, you were the only person I knew that liked Danzig. Right. And like, I'd never heard of the misfits until you mentioned the misfits. But like I can just if I tell if I if I play Danzig now, it's just like it, it's amazing how the, the exact point that it takes me back to, you know. Right, right. But I, I, I've never even heard of Sam Hain, though. So now I want to kind of yeah. check them. Out yeah, I mean, they were, um, you know, the Misfits broke up in 83. Sam Hain put out technically like three albums and actually so rick rubin was um at one of their shows and he wanted to um make this kind of big like mega metal band and he wanted danzig to be the this centerpiece and sam hayne was working on their fourth album and Rick Rubin got involved and um, actually they, they basically turned into Danzig. That's wow. Yeah, man, they got a new drummer, new guitarist, and they kind of transitioned. So some of the songs on, on Danzig one are actually Sam Haynes songs. And it's, and it's not, there's a bunch of shit like it's totally like not catchy, not, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, when you have songs like, like all murder, all guts, all fun. I mean, Hey, fucking <laughs> kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just mentioned Rick Rubin who uh, like, I've heard that guy's name mentioned so many times mm -hmm. in 
relation to music in like for so many years. So I just pulled him up on Wikipedia. Here's Rick Rubin's associated acts. Okay. Oh, yeah. Beastie Boys, which I think I know him a lot from. Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, Run DMC, Slayer, Danzig, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, throwing some Johnny Cash, System of a Down, Linkin Park, and the Avet Brothers. Mm-hmm. Like to go from like Run DMC to Danzig to Johnny Cash to the Avet Brothers, it's mm-hmm. just like <laughs> this guy's doing everything. Right. Yeah. Doing it well, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like Oh man, I don't, I don't even know how, and he's, he's not even 60 years old. He's like 57 years old. Yeah, like, I mean, how he, he like, he has always looked like it was older because he's this like horseshoe pattern baldness, long haired dude with the big ass beard. Yeah. But he got into the game like really, really early. Yeah. Mid eighties or early eighties. Early eighties. Yeah. Like when he was 18. Yeah. And I like this fucking dude, like materialized out of thin air. And he's like, he helped make run DMC huge. Yeah. Made the beastie boys huge. Made Danzig huge in his own. Right. Um, Made the um, he was the producer for the Blood Sugar Sex Magic album, which oh, was he? Chili Peppers on the uh, map. I mean, they were big in the alternative world, whatever you want to call it. But when he hooked up with them for that album, that like put them over the top. Um, Yeah, any Blood Sugar Sex Magic is just so 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 awesome. Um, and in uh, and he did that that album with 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 Johnny Cash when like Johnny Cash was like at his fucking low point. Like at, was that was that the American Songs album? Yeah, was it? yeah. Johnny, oh man! Like you see, he, he was the the like the rumor is is that he, Rick Rubin like saw him at the I don't I'm fucking the story up but he saw him at this like fucking you know like dinner show or something i don't know and he like went up to him later on he's like basically like you're you're fucking johnny cash like (laughs) no no what are you doing here we have to get you back and yeah and they made those couple albums so and oh man, like I love the original Johnny Cash song. Like my kids, I love Johnny Cash so much. I've introduced Johnny Cash to my kids. They know like a ton of Johnny Cash, but like those American recordings albums, like where he's doing like like the Nine Inch Nails song "Hurt" and uh, U2's um, "One" and. Um, bridge over troubled water and just like all of these it's just like oh my god it's just so like to to record such amazing stuff like near the end of your career near the end of your life but like especially when because you know how many people are still recording quality stuff like 40 or 50 years in you know right like, but that stuff near the end of Johnny Cash's life, when you listen to it, it, some of it is just so haunting, but some of it is also just so like, this is a dude who knows what he's doing and is just like putting his own spin on these, like w- some of these well-known songs, you know? And I, I just, some of that stuff I just love to listen to, you know, and especially when you compare it to his early stuff where you know that's more country and more you know um almost banjo-y on some of it it's just it's so yeah. awesome um really rockabilly yeah yeah and um i don't know man i love johnny cash i think i think johnny cash's birthday's coming up i think it's like september 12th or something is that right let me see let me look that up Oh no, the di- the day he died, September twelfth, two thousand three. Um, all right, Johnny Cash, Glenn Danzig, man, we're we're all over the map tonight with the music. Yep.
good stuff everywhere though. The the other part um, that I was going to talk about, you know, separating art from artists and whether their life experiences influence their art or not. I always go back to this interview that Mark Marin did on the WTF podcast with Nick Lowe. And he's asking Nick Lowe about, you know, some song that he wrote. And he's like, man, that that's a pretty dark song. Like you, you must've been in a dark place when you wrote that. <laughs> and Nick Lowe's like, no, man, I, I'm a songwriter. I just make shit up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like, like get away from the idea that like every song is autobiographical, oh, you know? Right. Yeah, like at some point you just have to make shit up because you're creating, you know. So right, it doesn't have to always be, you know, a reflection of whatever you're going through. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's the beauty of it. I mean, there are many songwriters who who just like make up characters, and you no, know, I, I feel there's still some some like personal shit that they weave in, but they'll. Right. You know, just like make up people and make up these situations. And like, I mean, it's like Bruce Springsteen was in Vietnam and trying to get right. a job at the oil refinery. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> yeah. I, I've mentioned it before, but every time I hear Bruce Springsteen, I have to mention my all-time favorite line of any song ever <laughs> from Thunder Road. Yep. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. <laughs> it's so great. It is so great. Actually, there. Um, I, I guess now I'm just going to talk about song lyrics for a minute. But um, there's a so there's a Pearl Jam song called B Girl. That like, you know, most people, unless you're a hardcore, hardcore Pearl Jam song, you probably haven't heard. Um, and it's about the girl from the No Rain video, the Blind Melon song No Rain had this girl dancing around in a bee costume. And like, we've listened to that song for, I don't know, when did that come out? Like 2003 or something? Yeah. So like. A long time we've been listening to it. And I, you know, it's, it's a fine song. It's, it's, it's a, like, um, like, um, I don't want to say it's not a serious song, but how would you categorize it? Like, kind of like a, like. Well, I mean, well, so the song, actually it's, um, it's older. They did it on a radio show. Right. Yeah. The Um, recording you can tell is a live recording. Right. And, uh. Like in like 94, 95, whenever it was. But it's kind of like, it's it's like a jam or I, I, I kind of qualify it uh, as a sound check song. Now, yeah, like it, it kind of seems like, you know, they some they were just playing something and then he just like kind of threw some lyrics right, onto right. it, you know, but the lyrics work. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to it you know, who knows how many times, but I was driving around like, uh, I guess two weeks ago and listening to it early on a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, one of the lines in it just like struck me so deeply that I, I couldn't even believe that I had never thought about it before, but just like the possibility behind it. And it's like near the end of the song where he says, Everything you imagine needn't be stuck in your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's just like essentially telling you like anything's possible. Like just because you're dreaming it doesn't mean that it has to be stuck in your mind. You can actually do it, you know, and like you have he he's this song is like a warning to this girl, this girl dressed up in a bee costume dancing around in the blind melon video. Like, don't get too caught up in this, you know, be your own person, do other things. But just that that line, I was just like, oh, my God, here's this song that I've always thought of as kind of a joke song. And it has like one of my favorite Pearl Jam lyrics ever. <laughs> you know, like, um, So I don't know. I mean, it's 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 not as good as uh, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. But it's, you know, 
but it's up it's, there. It's up there. It's up there. Maybe maybe I'll start keeping track of because every once in a while I'll hear a lyric and I'm like, oh man, that's really good. Right. Do you pay attention to lyrics or are you more of a music no, guy? I am hugely driven by lyrics. Okay. Like huge. Um, yeah. No, I wouldn't. Um, this is an example like the song Speed of Sound by Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. M- melody's okay. It's, no, it's fine. But I like this song because of the lyrics um yeah yeah like like i'm really really into the words um yeah yeah that mark Marin on the wtf podcast always talks about how for years he was always just a music guy and he didn't really pay attention to the lyrics and only in the last like 10 years as he started listening and paying attention and thinking about the lyrics to a song yeah yeah, I mean, I, which kind of struck me as odd because, like, I really pay attention to the lyrics, right. you know, and I want to hear what the lyrics are. I know, you know? I know, I want to hear like what they're like, what what's driving that song. I mean, sometimes, you know, the lyrics don't match the melody. You know, you can ha- have this kind of jolly type of melody and the lyrics are like oh, like holy shit this this fucker's got some problems like yeah <laughs> well you know what it, what is what's a great um example of that in the pearl jam catalog which i just listened to tonight is the song sleeping by myself oh yeah like the lyrics to that song are so sad oh, yeah but it's, but it's kind of like, really? an and it like all like like sure oh like oh yeah it's a happy song but but no yeah you listen to the lyrics and you're like oh man this fucking guy is going through some shit yeah. <laughs> you know like it's a rough one but right yeah and, and so. he like actually no i just mixed that up when you listen to just the original version on the um um ukulele album you can kind of get that feeling like oh shit there's something really bad happening but oh really oh oh to- oh yeah I, I don't even have the ukulele album i've never listened to it listen to it and you'll get that feeling oh um they when they put it on lightning bolt which i wasn't a big fan of them putting it on there um yeah, you know, I like the song, but they, um, the kind of bridge part is really upbeat. I think. Um, yeah. 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 I thought they. I mean, it's like they totally could have put a different song on there. I mean, that yeah. song was on the ukulele album already. They don't have to yeah. fucking redo it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. We talked about Lost Dogs, you know, just a little while ago, and that's a collection of songs from that weren't good, weren't quote good enough to make a regular studio album. So you know they have tons of good songs that they just don't have room for. So I didn't know that they just kind of redid one and threw it on Mm -hmm. there. But um, I don't know. That's interesting. All right. where should we go? Oh, I know. I should finish what I was going to say about Tom Cruise. That's, I mean, <laughs> we went from Tom, Tom Cruise to Glenn Danzig. And um, and that's why this podcast is awesome. That That's and it. I mean, that's pretty much what it's like to hang out with us. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Try to try to make sense of any of this right. and you'll go crazy. But. You come on. I mean, you've been listening to us for what fifty four minutes. You're entertained, aren't you? It, it doesn't feel like it's fifty four minutes because you like hanging out with us. It's like you're just hanging out with us. But yeah, there's all these um, Tom Cruise movies that like I've never heard of. But if you go back like farther, it was like every single movie was like a huge deal. Like he had. Mission Impossible 2, Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut, Jerry Maguire, Mission Impossible, Interview with a Vampire, The Firm, A Few Good Men, 
far and away, like all of these just in a row. It right. was like the dude for like 15 years couldn't do anything wrong. Right. You know, until he jumped on like Oprah's couch or something. Right. Is, <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah. that when the downfall started? I don't know what year that was, but that was like really, really odd. Like the whole Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes thing, which <laughs> like is, uh, yeah. So 2000, oh my gosh, 2006 to 2012, they were married. They began dating in April, 2005. So let's see. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, he made the last samurai before that and that, I never saw that, but that seems like. Well, I th- I think that was huge, and he did was like, it. Yeah, and and uh, my Nordy report and Vanilla Sky and. Yeah, I mean, I, I get into the I get into the trap of thinking just because I saw something means it wasn't. I, I didn't see something means it wasn't huge. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, looking at this, let's see. Let me just go back through and see what the actual last. He's, Tom Cruise movie that I saw he's was quote unquote only down fifty movies. Doesn't it seem like he should? Have, it seems like he, yeah that he should have done more than yeah for sure, and that's including movies that haven't come out yet, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at his IMDb, he's got he's got a couple year gaps, a couple places, you know. Right. Well, and I mean, when he does Jack Reacher reach around, that'll make it 51. <laughs> Jack Reacher reach around the happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. An explosive conclusion. <laughs> conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Reacher gets himself into sticky situations. Suddenly, <laughs> Tom Cruise is a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, uh, shit, I forgot my, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot my train of thought on that. Now I don't know, I don't know what I was going to say about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the dude has. Actually, the last movie of his that I think I saw was Eyes Wide Shut in 1999. So I haven't seen anything he's done this century. Oh, really? Um, but I I saw like almost everything before that, like Jerry Maguire, Mission Impossible. Like, um, I think the the like last one I've seen is Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. That one actually, I thought looked really good. Actually, the the like only now I heard that the most recent one is pretty good. Also, I heard it, like the only bad one was the second one. Yeah, really. Ghost Protocol is really good. I thought no, like oh, okay, so like like a movie like. Valkyrie, where he's this like total German guy, but he pulled a Kevin Costner and Robin Hood, and he couldn't <laughs> get into the fucking accent. Yeah, like he's surrounded by like. I wonder if like Hitler is like, why do I have a <laughs> like the only dude in Germany Germany that can't speak fucking German. <laughs> <laughs> or or even with an accent right, right. <laughs> that's Who awesome fucking hired this guy yeah that's like you know you, you're you're he's he's such a big star like you just overlook that thing right. you know because because if he were if he were to try to um do an accent you know it would be so bad that that would become the story right you know, like, oh, look how bad his accent is. So that's, you know, you don't want it to be a joke. So it's better to just kind of ignore it and say, forget it. You know, that's funny. Um, yeah, you I, I, I've never seen that Robin Hood movie, but you've mentioned that Kevin Costner thing in Robin Hood a few times. That's funny. Wait, hold on. You haven't seen Prince of Thieves ever? I don't think so. Do you, are you? You were all over that Brian Adams song in high school. I know. 
I know. I love the soundtrack. I know, but I never saw the movie. I'm pretty sure that I saw Robin Hood Men in Tights, the spoof of it. But I don't think I ever saw it. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll I'll put it on the list of thousands of movies that I have to see. Um, Who else? uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That... Kevin Costner's another one who was just like at the top of his game for a long time and now you know hasn't really hasn't really oh more like, okay man I'm gonna do this movie called Waterworld. <laughs> right. Not not only Waterworld, but you'd get Waterworld and the Postman. Oh, Postman. What well, um was that the like the fucking like Pony Express movie? I mean it's <laughs> A name, a nameless drifter dons a postman's uniform and bag of mail as he begins a quest to inspire hope to the survivors living in post-apocalyptic America. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That sounds great. <laughs> okay, here's some... Even if you were serious that that sounds great, here's something that's going to turn you off of it, okay? Okay. Two hours and 57 minutes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? That's the kind of movie that I think somebody said yes to that. Right. Like somebody thought that that was a good idea. Who thought that that was a good idea? Well, Tom Petty's in it, so it's got that going for it. Holy shit. So there's a Field of Dreams part two. There is? Go... Go under Kevin Costner's. Uh, oh, oh, it's a short Field of Dreams two lockout. Right, right, yeah. What the hell? Uh, decides to build his own football field after <laughs> what with Taylor Lautner? <laughs> oh, it's only three minutes. It's only oh. three minutes long. It has to be like a spoof oh, or something. Okay. Okay. There's a bunch of football players in it. Yeah. Oh, Ray Ray Liotta is in it. Fucking commercial or something. Yeah. All right. Well, I I feel a little bit better now that it doesn't seem like it was something serious. Yeah, Ray Ray Liotta is in it, and he was in the original as uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Ray Liotta, who married Mark Grace's wife. There's a little tidbit that you might not remember. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> Let's see what. All right. Well, we, we won't get into anything else because we've covered a lot already this episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to overdo it with uh, too much excitement. Here. And, <clears throat> and my throat's given out a little bit for some reason. Go ahead. Just to keep in mind, this all started with the change in the weather. It did. That, that... Changing to the weather, to short actors, to Danzig, to fucking Ted Nugent in the art, art from the artist, then Danzig probably, fucking Tom Cruise. Look, I mean, we're just covering everything here. Getting it all. Getting it all. The change in the weather was the only only topic that I had written down. Yeah, I today. actually had a few topics, but that's the tease because you, you'll just have just have to come back for the next one to uh, hear what else is on our minds. That's right. And like, if you listened to the last episode, episode sixty five, you know how fucking great that episode was. And that was all shit that wasn't even good enough to make a regular podcast. That was all, that was just all leftover shit. And we're like, here, let's do a podcast with all the leftover shit. And you get like just greatness. So that's just what we do. It, greatness. Maybe we should just change it to greatness. More later greatness. Exactly. So, well, all right. Well, um, so what are you drinking? I have. A be- I wasn't going to drink anything tonight. I was just going to go with my uh, mixed drink of uh, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. But I went with a beer from Normal, Illinois. Okay. From Distill Brewery. 
I guess it's just D-E-S-T-I-H-L, Distilled Steel Brewery. It's called Driving That Haze, Hazy IPA, brewed with cashmere, Amarillo, and Simcoe hops. Sounds good. It's delicious. It's really good. It's it's kind of fruity or kind of, I don't know. It was good. I liked it. And the can is cool. It's it's a black aluminum can. So the top of it is actually black, which just kind of makes it look like, I don't know, bikerish or something. So I, I liked it. How about you? What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking an old fashioned. I've had a couple old fashions. Um, I'm using old granddad bottled and Bob bourbon and uh, uh they're very good so i ran out of my clear ice which is what i'll uh, usually use in an old fashioned but <laughs> fear not i had lang ice good i put the lang ice in and it held up and i still actually have uh, about a half a cube left so lang ice uh, making my mouth happy and my old fashioned happy. I need to get back into the old fashioned man. I was I was rocking them there for a while, but then I just kind of let it slide a little yeah, bit. Man. It is good. Jump back on it. Yeah. Where does um where does that that um what you're drinking compare to the what the bourbon that what was it what was it that I was drinking? Four um, roses. Four Roses, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Old Granddad is funny. It's uh, it's one of the older bourbons, and it's considered a bottom-shelf bourbon, um, but it's but it's really good. Um, it, it's not to be under underestimated. They have the uh, 80 proof regular, then they have the bottled and bond 100 proof, and that's what I use tonight it's um the uh it's a little harsher than the four roses because it has more rye in it um ah, okay. but it is uh, it's a it's a really good bourbon uh you can get it for 16 to 18 dollars so i wow. would uh, recommend buying it and um yeah yeah it's awesome all right well maybe maybe next time we'll we'll try that um so come back next time so you can see what we're drinking and what else we're talking about because you know it's going to be something good. It always is. Uh, but thanks for listening and tell a friend and come back next time for some more talk. Bye-bye.